Second book of Timothy, chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. Paul's final charge to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you managed to get hold of Paul's dog-eared passport, you'd have found that he was banned from half of present-day Greece, Turkey, Spain and Italy. But as we learn about Timothy's apprenticeship as a young Christian leader, we need to turn to three consecutive pages in Paul's passport. Rather than a comeback tour, Paul was on a go-away tour. We start in Antioch. Paul preached about Jesus and the kingdom of God in the synagogue at Antioch. He attracted considerable interest, attention and opposition as usually happened. Largely rejected by the synagogue community, Paul started preaching to the Gentile community, but he was still run out of town. Then we go to Iconium. Paul and his friend Barnabas preached in the synagogue at Iconium as well. Large numbers of people believed, but the city was divided. There was a plot to kill them, and so they fled the city. A pattern emerges. Next, a few miles further on, was the city of Lystra. In Lystra, there was a classic blended family. We don't know dad's name, we know he was Greek, mum was called Eunice, grandma was called Lois. They were both Jewish believers. The young man of the house was Timothy, our very own timid Tim. Now they would have heard snatches of wild news about Saul of Tarsus, the former Pharisee and Christian hunter who had turned Jesus' follower. Paul did not disappoint when he arrived with Barnabas in Lystra. They prayed for a lame man and he was healed. 
the crowd were amazingly enthusiastic and proclaimed that the Greek gods, Zeus and Hermes, had come down amongst them. And so the people started to organise a worship service to Paul and Barnabas, who were horrified and shouted that they were perfectly normal, humble, regular guys. And it was Jesus of Nazareth who had done all of the healing. The crown, crowd turned on a sixpence, full of hatred and disappointment, and they took Paul outside the city where they stoned him, literally threw stones at him and left him for dead, although he survived. It was some time in that bonkers 24 hours that Lois, Eunice and young Timothy became Christians. Paul came back through Lystra and was soon impressed by young Timothy growing as a Christian leader. Timothy became one of Paul's travelling companions and his apprentice evangelist and church leader and church planter. By the time Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, years later, not much has changed. In verses 10 and 11 of chapter 3, he reminds Timothy about their years on the road together. And he says, look, Timothy, remember how it was. You know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. You know what kind of things happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions that I endured. Timothy has known Paul close up over the years. He's had plenty of time to see whether Paul was a fake, whether Paul was one thing up front and quite another thing off stage. Timothy has seen that Paul's life is short on extravagance and long on discomfort and humiliation. So, what is Paul's message to Timothy as Paul contemplates the end of his own life? And Paul needs Timothy to step up in leadership as he's about to exit stage left. It is one word actually. See it in chapter 3 verse 14. The word in English is continue. We would probably say carry on carrying on. Be steadfast. Endure. Stand alone if necessary but stand nonetheless. Now Paul knew that there were some very compelling reasons for timid Tim to back off and slip into the shadows. Not so, said Paul continue Timothy. Most of us are facing emotionally and spiritually and practically the most demanding year of our lives. Some pretty compelling reasons to back off from God and slip into the shadows. We need to hear and act on Paul's advice. Sisters and brothers, continue. Carry on carrying on. God has not deserted us. In fact, the very opposite. God is with us and blessing us. Let's not give up right now. 
Now I know that some of you are weary of online church and Zoom small groups, that you long to be back in the building. Me too. We miss so many things, the worship, the people, the praying together, the inviting people into our homes and into our lives. Goodness gracious, how we miss it. But Paul was exhorting Timothy to carry on carrying on in far tougher circumstances than our own. Think what we do have. Think how getting through this would have been 10 or 15 or 20 years ago so much harder. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Lean on your Christian sisters and your Christian brothers. Pray for each other and care for each other. And go looking for those you haven't heard from and those that you know are hurting. As Paul said in another letter a few years before to Timothy, he said, let us not weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. As we finish, let's look at what Paul tells Timothy is our foundation and key resource, the Bible itself. Timothy's mum Eunice and grandma Lois had clearly taught Timothy from the Jewish scriptures, what we Christians now call the Old Testament. They would have lived by it and loved it. They would have absorbed the Old Testament's yearnings. They would have been looking forward to God's decisive act of redemption. I think we can imagine how Eunice and Lois might have spoken to Timothy as the city of Lystra erupted on Paul's visit and Paul's preaching. Timothy, can it be the one we've hoped for, the one we've waited for has come, Jesus, the Messiah. The Holy Spirit of God is poured out on all, on Gentiles and Jews, on women and men, on young and old. It was Paul who then helped Timothy and so many others to see how the bountiful promises of the Old Testament were so beautifully fulfilled in Jesus and that the early church was the true Israel, the body of believers from all nations, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Paul reminded Timothy that they're now in a transition period. The New Testament, as we know it, doesn't exist as a whole separate thing yet. But Paul is speaking with special apostolic authority. And Peter, elsewhere, is already writing about Paul's letters as being scripture. Paul uses two really key words to describe the scriptures. We treasure both of those words and they have formed our whole attitude to and vision for Christian worship and discipleship. The first word is God-breathed that the authors of each book of the Bible were not doing their own thing, but they were receiving the words that God breathed out. That is why the whole of the Bible is our ultimate resource and guide. The second word is useful, 
the scriptures are not museum pieces to be analysed by scholars. They are God's living word. And as we attend to the Bible, we find that it helps teach us and form our characters. We should expect to be excited and confronted and challenged and resourced through reading the Bible. Now, church services are a great way to deepen our engagement with the Bible and we work really hard to make sure that those who know the Bible well are helping us each week to make sense of it. But worship together, whether it is online or in the building, is not the only way. Just as vital is being part of a smaller group of people where you can ask questions and debate and when you can see the Bible's truths being lived out by other people in real time. So is finding a way to engage with the Bible by yourself every day, reading a small part and using the words to inform your praying and your living. Now there are countless ways to do this. I would personally recommend an app called Lectio 365. Please carry on carrying on. And please notice what's going on just beneath the surface here. As people, we learn and grow when others live out the truth of the gospel. When we see how they face hardship. When we hear how they deal with bad news when we watch them with the people that they find difficult. It's not enough, friends, to ask which Christians are you turning to and watching and learning from, though that is important. You've also got to ask yourself, who's watching you? And what are they learning from your life and faith? I pray that they see through the mud and the sweat and the tears, the love of Jesus and the hope of the gospel.